Welcome to this week's episode of Stand Out, growing in the organizing and productivity profession brought to you by NAPO, the National Association of Productivity and Organizing Professionals. Every episode, we will learn from NAPO members and subject matter experts as they share their successes, challenges, best practices, proven strategies, industry developments, and more. Please welcome our host, professional organizer, Sarah Karakayan. Hello and welcome to another great episode of Stand Out, the podcast all about growing in the organizing and productivity industry. My name is Sarah Karakayan, professional organizer and your host. There has been a lot going on in the world. I know, Captain Obvious over here, but it is important we discuss these world events on our podcast because as we all know, doing better every day as an industry starts with each and every one of us, each of you whether you're an active organizer or productivity professional or working towards getting there, has an important part to play in making sure the organizing and productivity industry is sought after and respected by all communities. And we have to be leaders, you guys, in our communities. Trust starts with our communities knowing us, who we are and what we stand for. And to be clear, we stand for inclusiveness, equality, and we embrace diversity. But what does that all really mean? And are we going to do everything we can as individuals and as an industry as a whole to make enough of a ruckus to move forward? I don't know about you, but I can always do better and I can always learn more. And most importantly, I can always listen more carefully. So today we're going to do it. We're going to talk about diversity in small business, and this episode is for all of you, whether you're a business owner or an employee, or perhaps you aren't either yet, but you're wondering where industry stands on the subject. This is a giant topic. So we brought in three, that's right, three movers and shakers in the organizing and productivity industry to engage in a panel-like discussion on diversity in our industry. So I'm very excited to introduce them to you. We have Tanisha Porter, who owns Natural Born Organizers, LLC. Tanisha was born and raised in Los Angeles, California, but she left sunny Cali to attend the Mecca Howard University. She graduated from the School of Business in the early 90s, and she started her business in 2013 and since then has been featured in the Los Angeles Times, Costco Connections Magazine, Goop.com, which is Gwen Paltrow's lifestyle brand, Patrice Washington's Redefining Wealth podcast, and countless other blogs around the world. Tanisha has been a member of the National Association of Productivity and Organizing Professionals, which is NAPO, since 2014 and has served on the LA chapter board since 2016 and currently in the position of immediate past president. She has just recently joined the National Association of Black Professional Organizers and is very excited to serve within that organization as well. And then we have Cindy Levitt, owner of Piece by Piece Professional Organizing and Design. Cindy offers virtual remote residential and business organizing, speaking and teaching, coaching, consultation, relocation, moving services, staging, and redesign services. Cindy has worked within educational, social justice, and interfaith environments on issues of diversity, racial justice, advocacy, and community building for, get this, over 30 years. With the recent Black Lives Matter movement resulting from the murder of George Floyd, Cindy has decided to once again use her voice to join the conversation. She is in the process of creating curriculum and training for diversity, equality, and inclusion work. Cindy is a graduate of Washington University in St. Louis with a BA in psychology and has her master's in education from DePaul University in Chicago with a concentration in multicultural curriculum. And then we round out our panel with Mackenzie Scott, who works at Mission to Organize LLC. Mission to Organize is not your typical organizing service. Co-founded by two professional organizers, Shay Lewis, who is a certified professional organizer or a CPO, and Bahar Parto, Mission to Organize is built on the idea that two organizers are better than one. Mackenzie Scott, CPO, joined the team in 2016 after graduating from the University of Missouri with a Bachelor's of Journalism with an emphasis in strategic communication. After graduation, Mackenzie moved to Chicago for an advertising internship with dreams of pursuing her lifelong passion for organizing. And when she and Mission to Organize found each other, it was like a match made in heaven. Mackenzie quickly jumped in with both feet into organizing industry, leaving the corporate world behind. 
Mackenzie enjoys using her understanding of how to reach audiences along with her passion for tidiness to educate others on ways to lead a more organized life. You can find her everywhere from working hands-on out in the field to sharing her expertise on a Mission to Organize YouTube channel, where they have over 4,000 subscribers. Together with Team M2O, Mackenzie makes big changes that clients can be proud of. All three of you deserved all of that introduction because I am just so honored to have you on the show today. I'm getting chills. Tanisha, Cindy, and Mackenzie, welcome to the show. Hi, everyone. Hi, Sarah. Hello. Hi. (laughs) Glad to be here. All right, listeners. So because you're listening and you can't see us, here's what we've done so that we can make today's panel discussion effective. We can all see each other, me and my three ladies here. So we know who's going to be ready to say something and talk. We're going to raise our hands so that this conversation can really be fluid and get ready. We've already discussed this as a panel that everything's on the table. We want to talk about real issues, real problems, how it affects our industry as organizers and productivity specialists. So This is a conversation that we need to continue to have, but what better way to start it than on the airwaves? So ladies, I want to start this conversation with a general question that sometimes I feel is just too broad. It's like, what does that even mean? And Cindy, when we had a pre-call, you kind of brought something up that was really interesting that kind of got me thinking. Again, I'm always learning and getting better and understanding all of my privileges growing up and how that's defined who I am. And so I ask all three of you, what does diversity mean to you? Mackenzie, do you want to go first? I think the biggest thing that strikes me, because I mean, everybody is going to answer that question differently, and it's all about your personal experience. So for me, when I think about that in relation to this industry, I just think about being comfortable in a room and thinking Mm -hmm. about being safe in a room. I'm really lucky. I work with two Mexican-American women when I go out into people's homes and one of my bosses is Middle Eastern. And that's something that drew me to the company when I was looking for people to work for. And together with her and my, as we call her, our one white lady, Shay Lewis, who's my other boss, I just feel so safe in my environment and so included even when I am walking into predominantly white spaces and spaces where there is not another person of color. So I feel like I have that support. So to me, diversity is leaving enough space in a room for everyone and making that space for everyone to feel comfortable, no matter who is in the room and what the room looks like. And that's hard. (laughs) Something we got to work on. (laughs) Yeah. Tanisha, how about you? What does it mean to you? Wow. A simple definition, I think, (laughs) would be other right? Everything other. So in America, other than white, other than Christian, other than straight, Mm. other than, right? So that's what diversity is. If whatever room you're in, whatever business you're in, whatever space you're in, if it's just the non-other, then it's not diverse, right? I love it. That's super concise. And Cindy, how do you feel about that word? It's such a broad discussion, but I think typically for me, diversity is sort of building on what Tanisha said, people different than me, however I define myself, which is white, heterosexual, Jewish, woman. And so people who are different than me is really the world that I want to live in. I enjoy being around and learning from and being surrounded by people that are different. So to me, being in a diverse environment includes people not like me, but I do think that in the U.S. it is also other than white. So white people tend to say, I want to be in a diverse group, but it means people different than me still using white as the standard. Right. Which is so interesting that, again, white is the standard and I think that's our history and we have to move from that. But Mackenzie, When we did our pre-call, you mentioned how you're on a team. You are part of a team and you don't own the company. So I don't know if your employment status, whether you're a W-2 or W-9, but that doesn't matter. But what matters is that you're on a team and it's quite diverse. And this is your first job in the organizing industry. Is that correct? Yes. I jumped in with both feet. I immediately pivoted away from the advertising industry because I was tired of 
kind of being the only person of color in the room and having to speak to that and having to think about how to navigate the world and people looking for my input just because I was the only one in the room and not also looking to put more people in the room. So like I said, I got really excited about being on Team M2O because I was their first employee, but I could tell it was like, these ladies are people that understand inclusivity and want to reach out and find that and just had that energy. It's just hard to describe and knowing that you can trust somebody. But yeah, this is my first experience and I escaped the corporate world before I even put a toe in. So I have a very different worldview. I don't know what it's like to fully be in those spaces because I immediately was just like, not for me. (laughs) Right, (laughs) right. How important was that? I mean, I know it was important. I guess from your perspective that your company be so diverse. I mean, you know, Cindy and Tanisha and I were commenting, we've been in the industry for quite some time. That's quite rare to have a team that isn't just made up of white women. So what does that mean for your day-to-day? And are you guys using that as a conversation piece in terms of how it can help our industry be more inclusive? Or talk to me about what kind of conversations you guys are having. Yes. So I always feel like I have the space to talk about anything that's troubling me or giving me pause or making me nervous. In the last few months, as our country has paid more attention to race in America, I immediately on our next team meeting, as soon as everything started to boil up, my resident white lady started the conversation and said, hey, I want to check in with you guys. How are you? Everybody just, this is an open space to talk about how you're feeling, you know, outside of what we had on our very organized agenda of things to go through on a team meeting. That was the first thing that we did. And that was the first thing that we discussed. And I got to get some energy out. I got to say, hey, I'm nervous about XYZ project a little bit and going in this space. And I'm feeling nervous about my boyfriend and my sister that live with me and the things that they're wanting to go out and do in the world. And I'm worried for their safety and all of that. I got support for all of that. And I feel that every time I walk In a client's house, I had a client once as I was a support with the two business owners on an appointment. The three of us were there. I had a client remember Shay's name, remember Bahar's name, and then call me Felicia as we left. I was so thrown off. She had been referencing all of us all day. And then for her to suddenly not remember my name, I can't remember if she used it previously, but in that moment, I clenched up and froze and I was newer to the business, newer to their company, didn't want to super step in and cause any kind of ruckus as we were leaving this woman's house. (laughs) And immediately the business owners jumped in, were upset excuse me, her name is Mackenzie, (laughs) you know, and we're probably ready to do more. And I kind of was like, okay, guys, let's get out of here. Or let's, you know, kind of pivot away. But they were ready to take any action and to make me feel comfortable and to let her know that it wasn't okay. And to let me know that they knew that it wasn't okay. And we're probably ready to speak on it more than I was even comfortable with, but I was so glad and thankful that they were. And that was years ago. I always know that they have my back and that's the kind of space that I'm in. And that's the kind of spaces that business owners with a team or just whoever's client, whoever's home you're walking into, that's the kind of attitude you have where you're not only ready to recognize when things are wrong, but say something about it and address it. And so I give kudos to them. They did an A plus job in that situation and continue to. (laughs) Tanisha, please go ahead. Yeah. And that is what is so wonderful about McKinsey's story is because that is her frame of reference. Like that is her baseline, right? And that is the foundation of why conversations are so hard nowadays because not everyone's foundation is that. And so for people whose foundation is very diverse and they're like, well, this is what my bosses do, or I don't know anything but this, they're giving it the huge side eye. Like what, why this is so far from being right or tolerable. And that is, I think the reason why this generation, this time of racial injustice and the outcry is because there is a generation that is looking at this like, wait a minute. These are the things that we heard about that happened in the history books in the 40s, the 50s, and the 60s. I thought that was back then. Like when you hear young people, they're like back in those days. And then you realize you're like, no, this is like the same stuff. And so that's why when Mackenzie shared her story, I was like, wow, that is so awesome. Because 
that is not my story. And just the sense of pride and the sense of confidence that instantly gives her that she knows that she can come in and it's a safe space. And it's not a safe space because her bosses and her company that she works for looks like her. It's a safe space because she has a company that is based in allyship, true allyship. And that's awesome. Kudos. I was just going to jump in. This is Cindy. I totally agree that that is a great illustration of allyship. And a lot of people now are talking about that word and trying to understand what it means. And I think, again, we all are from different decades during our pre-call. We kind of talked about our ages. And I think that is one of the benefits of coming into our field at McKenzie's age and at this particular time. But frankly, we do know that demographics show that NAPO, our organization, is primarily white and female. And so as an educator at heart, I feel it's really important for those of us who are white to do a deep dive into our own conditioning, socialization, family, upbringing around race and how we perceive others and also how deeply we dig into our own conditioning to really understand how we've been shaped by our own whiteness, by the broader cultural white supremacy that surrounds us. And I think no matter where you are on the journey, no matter what your age, it's not too late to really be open and to listen and to learn. And so I think for our industry, we really do ourselves a big favor to do this introspection that we're talking about during this conversation so that we can be a more welcoming industry, grow, and also for our own personal growth. Because I think that when you live your life in a box, you really miss out on so much. And it's not just for the industry, but it's for our own personal development and just the way that I've personally felt my life has been enriched by being around people different than me and learning and different kinds of music and the self-reflection part, I think is so important. And so I think learning how to be an ally is something that we all need to look inward to try to do. And listeners, this podcast is sponsored by the National Association of Productivity and Organizing Professionals, but we understand that not everyone listening may be a member of NAPO, but NAPO is definitely a leader in this industry. And there are so many things that I know they're working on doing, including this conversation that we're having with fellow NAPO members. But panelists, I would like to ask you guys, in terms of like people listening to the show right now, yes, we can do these bigger things and we need to do these bigger things on a higher level within our industry, with our industry leaders like NAPO. But what can our listeners do who are in the organizing and productivity industry to be more welcoming and inclusive? I mean, I'm sure if you don't look like one of the typical white women in the industry and you walk into a meeting or a meetup or you go into these homes that you don't feel like you look like those people who are hiring you. Talk to me about that. How can we be more welcoming? What are the ideas that you have for our listeners who are in their car or in the gym or their home right now? What can they do to open their arms a little wider? I think that, well, number one, being very conscious and deliberate about if you're on social media, reaching out. And it's almost like coming out of your neighborhood. Just go take a drive, Mm. right? Just Mm -hmm. go down a different street, you know, use a hashtag that isn't in your norm of hashtags and just see what other neighborhoods are on Instagram, see what other neighborhoods are on Twitter, you know, and learn about the other social circles. And that will automatically, with the algorithm, you will start to see different things on your timeline. That's a first thing, right? The second thing is when you're in spaces and you're invited to speak at a summit or you're invited to maybe be in an interview or something, and maybe you see that it's kind of looking monotone, you know, it's (laughs) monochromatic, right? You know, maybe be that person to say, you know, there are a lot of Black organizers that I know that would be perfect for this. You know, I don't know. It's probably too late to include them this time. But next time, I can give you a list or I can give you this organization. There's such a wealth of talent there. You know, just speak up because the organization, the magazine, the person sponsoring this event, they may not realize. They may not realize. So just opening up 
and being that voice. That is one thing. That's one way that we can open up the industry to more eyes and show the people who are looking at the industry for help that we are not monochromatic. Those are super actionable. I love that, Tanisha. Thank you. Mackenzie, any thoughts? Oh, Cindy, go ahead. Sorry. I was just going to say people are looking for ideas for remote learning on social media right now. And one of the things that came to me in the middle of the night is a lot of us are trying to help people set up their homes for remote learning, for working, but that's really from a middle class or upper middle class framework. And I started thinking about the class issue and for myself, how that's kind of how I see things. But there are a lot of people in my community who are homeless, who are economically challenged, and they may be living in a multi-generational apartment where they can't really set up each child with a computer, each adult who's working remotely. Most likely those adults are leaving to go to work because they're essential workers. So I think whether it's our communication through our social media channels or in real life conversations, just remembering there are a lot of people who can't afford our services, but they are looking for help. And we can be that voice and that resource for them if we try to get a little bit more creative about how you do this in households that are different than our own. Absolutely. Mackenzie, how are ways productivity professionals and organizers, how can we open up our arms wider to a bigger and broader human? I think Tanisha hit it right on the money with what I was trying to figure out how to articulate to say. So props to you. Thank you. (laughs) Um, I think the only thing I would tack on to what she said was it snowballs. There's such a breadth of Black organizers out there that you can ask the Naples Chicago board. I almost cried on a phone call when I was informed that there was a National Association of Black professional organizers, which I'm now so happy to be a part of because I just, those faces weren't in the room and I hadn't had the forethought to even search that because I just thought in my mind when I walked into a meeting, oh, this is what the industry looks like. Like, this is kind of sad. And, you know, it's on my list of 8 million things. I want more young people in the industry. I want more brown people in the industry. Little did I know that they're there and we are just not communicating with each other Mm. as a whole. So when you reach out and you realize that we are all out here, talk to us, reach out. There's probably something that you relate to just as an industry professional that you want to give kudos to, or I saw your YouTube channel. Oh my gosh, it's so amazing. Like reach out and make those connections and just bring people into your circle and try to be friends. Just try to make new connections. Just like she said, to find those virtual neighborhoods. Obviously everything is virtual now, right? Find those virtual neighborhoods. When you meet one neighbor, that neighbor is probably going to introduce you to another neighbor. So just be open to those connections, like she said. And there's so much to find out there. And I hope everybody else can feel the warmth that I felt in that community when I found it. (laughs) Obviously, it's going to mean a lot to me. It might be different for others, but there's so much there. And there's just so much that we have to gain from each other that we need to find. Yeah, Yeah. truly, we can be better organizers and productivity pros if we would just look outside those who look and talk and have the same experiences we've all had. I mean, just think about the wealth of knowledge. And Cindy, like you said, thinking outside of maybe our ideal customer, there's an ideal community, which are those who are around us no matter what their situation is. And maybe we can't go to their homes and work with them one-on-one, but we can create things on social media that is free and helpful and will touch a broader client base. They may not be paying in terms of financial payment, but they would definitely be gaining a lot from those services. Mm -hmm. Go ahead, Cindy. Yeah. I was just going to add on that sometimes those of us who are white can look at ourselves as ambassadors. So I think it's great that there is a National Association of Black Professional Organizers, but it leaves me with the thought, what could we have done as an industry to Mm. be more welcoming to be with? Not to say there shouldn't be a separate affinity group or a separate organization, but what could we have done to make those organizers of color feel more welcome in our industry? And also just, again, trying to go outside of your own comfort zone. So as Tanisha and Mackenzie both alluded to, social media is great. For me, a lot of what I learned when I was much younger was through reading, you know, reading authors of color and just trying to go outside of my own experiences through literature and nonfiction. So whatever way you need to get yourself there, 
do something. And so be more welcoming, be the change. Also, because, you know, when you talk about ideal customers and clients, that's what they teach you in marketing. But I think a lot of organizers at heart want to make the world a better place. And so if we can offer something through our volunteer work, through our free social media tips, et cetera, I think that's where we can catch people who may not be able to afford our services. But then that kind of generates the positive karma for us personally in our industry as well to try to offer value and offer tips at all different economic and types of lifestyles. I love that. Tanisha, what is your thought? Yeah, talk to us about the National Association of Black Organizers. Like, what is the mission and what could the industry have done better? I just would love to hear your thoughts and what Cindy just shared. It's very, very interesting because, you know, I grew up in Southern California and I went to a predominantly white middle school and high school in Brentwood, California and in Pacific Palisades, California. And so when I was in high school was the time of the Cosby show and a different world. And for those who don't know, you know, a different world was all about when the Huxtable's second oldest child went to an historically black college and university. Mm -hmm. And so that opened up my eyes to that, oh, I don't have to go to USC. I don't have to go to UC, whatever. I don't have to go to Cal State, whatever, because in Southern California, there are no HBCUs. All of the HBCUs are kind of in the South on the East Coast. What's an HBCU for our listeners? A historically Black college and university. Thank you. And so the way that I look at NAPO, which is the National Association of Black Professional Organizers, is like the HBCU right? In the organizing industry, there was a need. And because we live in America, there's always going to be a need of an organization of black professionals or black, whatever. There are organizations for black lawyers, black journalists, black physicians, black women physicians, because although we are part of the whole, the experience of black people in America is that our norm is of being of the minority. Our norm is walking into a room and we might be the only person of color in the room. Our norm is going to a resort. And when you go to a resort and you see a nice five or six car resort and you see another black couple or another black family and you give them that nod like, hi, like that is our norm. And that's what's happened when we go into situations and we don't expect to see anybody else. We give that nod like, hey, girl. Hi, sir, you know, because it's like, oh, wow. And so when you find the National Association of Black Professional Organizers, it's instant community. Mm. There's no runway to ramp up to feel comfortable. It's instant. It's family. It's going back to homecoming. It's going back to the family reunion. It's going to the cookout. And you instantly just feel at home. And so the guards are down. And so the mission of NAPO, and McKinsey can probably expand on this, but the mission of NAPO is very similar to the mission of NAPO, meaning education, exposure, and just building the industry up and supporting within the association. But then in addition to that, it's feeling at home. I felt the same way when I walked on campus at Howard University in Washington, D.C. It was like... I was not the exception at a school of being that intelligent Black girl or being the Black girl. I was the small fish in a big pond. Like, everyone was Black excellence. Everyone was Black girl magic. Everyone was Black boy joy. And it was just like, wow, this is not what we see all the time in media. This is not what we see all the time on TV. Like, We are excellent. We are excellent. And that is the spirit of NAPO, you know, in addition to raising the bar and trying to get all of us out there. But yeah, that's the reason for the Black Association's tandem to the white associations. Yeah. I mean, that's what it comes down to. What can our listeners, how do our listeners engage with the National Association of Black Professional Organizers? Like, how can we help further that mission? And is that maybe one of the first steps our listeners can do who feel like I haven't done anything other than listen, I want to take action? Would that be something that would make a difference? 
Absolutely. I mean, if you go to the website, you see all of the members, you see what state they're in. And that is definitely the first step. Mackenzie can probably speak to a little bit better because she's been a member a little bit longer than me. But yeah, absolutely. Go straight to their website and reach out to the organizers that you see that are members. And yeah, absolutely. Mackenzie, what are your thoughts on that? I'm actually almost as new to NAVPO as Tanisha is, but the way that she described the energy of that is almost brought me to tears because it's so accurate. My parents went to Howard and my life didn't shake out the way for me to feel like going to an HBCU was the right fit for me, but I did want that community. So I'm so happy to have it now and to have it even more specific in my industry. It's like a better room of people that are like you, you could not find. (laughs) So cool. I would say it just goes back to what we were saying about trying to increase the connection of those communities. And, you know, when you do go to the website and find all those names and faces, go find all the Instagrams, go follow them, go to all the Facebook pages, do that. If social media is your thing, use that as your venue to learn. And if they've written a book, as Cindy said, go read the book, whatever your quote unquote normal way of learning is find a way to connect that to another diverse person or another diverse community that you are not familiar with. And it can be as simple as that. I love it. If if I can just add one thing, I had learned about the organization a couple months ago on social media. And so then I found out that one of the chapters of our association, the New England chapter, was hosting their chapter meeting virtually. And they were featuring the National Association of Black Professional Organizers, and some of the founders were going to be there speaking about the founding of the organization. So I decided it was worth my money to pay the guest fee to be able to listen in on the New England chapters meeting, just so that I could learn about them. So again, you don't have to be a Black organizer to learn and to do and to be. And so that gave me some information. And I agree, you know, follow people on social media. I try to limit how much time I'm doing that. But if you can find and comment as another organizer, comment and say, great idea, you know, hidden thought about that, or just help them get boosts and their own exposure by looking for people outside of your area. There are a lot of listeners who come to this industry and this podcast, not all, but a lot who are entrepreneurs and who are excited at the opportunity to start their own business. And as a business leader, whether you're a solopreneur who then hires or contracts out 1099s or you have employees, we, I say we because I am one of those, have a responsibility to be more inclusive and diverse in those people who we bring to help us on our projects. So Tanisha and Cindy, you've been in this industry for a long time. Mackenzie, you've had this amazing first step in this industry because you've got like I don't know them yet, but two of some of the best bosses, it sounds like. So Tanisha and Cindy, I'd love to hear your feedback on how business owners in our industry, what do they do? How can they make their teams more diverse and inclusive? And how can that enrich their business? I mean, we all know the answer, but I want to say these things out loud today. Talk to me about that whole thing, because it also starts with our business leaders and our business owners within our industry, because it's kind of the stepping blocks into what that industry is, right? It's all these little businesses that make up our community. So talk to me about your previous experiences with fellow business owners and how we can be better today. Well, I find it interesting that it really starts with doing a little bit more, because I know for the LA chapter of NAPO, a lot of times the way that when we're thinking about hiring W-9 or W-2 people and staff, we go within the chapter first. Like that is one of the chapter benefits, right? Mm. It's like if you're looking to assist or you're looking to be an employee or something, you know, we go within, we promote within, quote unquote. But if within isn't diverse and within looks the same, then there is going to lie the problem. Then all the employees and assistants are going to look the same. So I feel like we have to do extra. So we have to make a deliberate to reach out. So whether that is at a job fair, whether that is teaching a class on organizing, like for people who are interested, so that maybe you can get people who are looking at the industry and not really sure, like you're building your own pool of people, but you're going to have to reach out. You're going to have to go to the community colleges. You're going to have to go to job fairs. You're going to have to go outside of the norm and look for those people because otherwise 
it is all going to look the same. It is absolutely going to look the same. Before I get to Cindy, we are going to take a quick break to hear a message from NAPO. The National Association of Productivity and Organizing Professionals is proud to offer NAPO University courses in various formats to accommodate different learning styles and further your education when and how you wish. For the entire course catalog, visit napo.net slash education. And to join NAPO, visit napo.net slash join. Okay, we are back. We are talking about diversity and small business in the industry. And at the beginning of the podcast episode, Mackenzie casually mentioned that her company is crazy diverse and she has the best bosses who just believe in having diverse perspectives on the organizing industry and how to help our clients, which is such a beautiful thing. But as Tanisha, Cindy, and myself all know, that's actually not common in our industry. And that needs to change, which is the whole reason for today's podcast. So I would ask Tanisha and Cindy, you know, what can we do as business owners, whether you hire independent contractors or employees, what can we do? I mean, it's going to be extra work listeners. Okay. So that's just get into that. That's what it's going to take is extra work, getting uncomfortable, doing things we haven't done before. So Cindy, what are your thoughts? How can we as business owners create more diverse workspaces? I like what Tanisha was saying about looking outside of our own organization. I'm in a little bit different situation because I do everything in my business by myself. I had tried years ago bringing in subcontractors, but I realized I'm a control freak and I really like to control all aspects of everything that I do. And I know it's just a different business model. That's the beauty of being a professional organizer is you get to choose how to be an entrepreneur, or do you want to be an employee? Do you want to be a business owner? Do you want to do it by yourself? Do you want to build a team? However, to just broaden the conversation, and as far as entrepreneurship in general, before I started my organizing business, I was doing diversity consulting. And because of the difficulty of making a living doing that, I thought, well, what else do I love to do? And I discovered the organizing industry. So I've been happily doing that for 14 years, but now I'm going to try to do both things. And so in building my sort of diversity, equity, and inclusion business, that was an easier way for me to start reaching out to those who I either used to work with before, my Black colleagues, in my own community. I've been joining some various community efforts. In Evanston, there's a big push. We've gotten national coverage for the reparations issue. And so I try to listen in on the task force meetings on that. I've reached out through my Chamber of Commerce. There's a brand new race and equity initiative that I am volunteering to be on that. So I think as an entrepreneur trying to build our businesses, whether it's organizing or something different, it's really important to kind of look at how you can make those connections. And so even if it's not an employee relationship or a business relationship, there's ways to do that where you are. And also just in terms of recruiting people into the organizing industry, I would love it if we had opportunities to go into those community colleges or even high schools, like career night or something. And, you know, just say, here's the industry that I love. Hey, you can do this. If you're a smart high school senior or a college student, Maybe this is something that you can get the skills and start your own business or start it with a friend. So I think instead of just always looking at how to build our own business, how do we build the industry into a more diverse, welcoming industry? I think, Tanisha, you had talked about in our pre-call about the medical field, the legal field. I mean, why can't organizers build to this extent where we're as recognized and as respected and as sought after as some of these other historically larger professional fields. Absolutely. I definitely feel that that is going to win NAPO as a whole and our industry. When we become more diverse, when it is not just known or thought of or assumed that it is a white woman's industry, then I feel like the trajectory of our industry as a whole, the productivity and organizing industry as a whole, is going to just blow up. And it will no longer be a cottage industry. It will no longer be an industry that you get into when you retire or you get into your second or your third career. It will be an industry that 
they are talking about in high school, where the high school counselors are talking about, you know, I've noticed that you have these particular skill sets. I noticed, you know, when you were the ASB president, the ASB secretary, the ASB treasurer, you know, have you ever thought about financial organizing? You know, have you ever thought about digital organizing? Have you ever thought about these things to where the counselors are pushing it? You know, that there is classes and things like that. That is what our goal as an industry should be, is that this is a career option way down young in grade school. And that is when the diversity is going to come. That is when we are no longer going to be a cottage industry for white women who want to pivot. Right. I love that idea of getting to like high school guidance counselors and starting to look for talent because I hadn't really ever thought about that before. But when I was in junior high, they used to call it home ec class for girls. And I remember doing this whole interior design thing with carpet samples and draperies. And I loved interior design, but my parents were like pushing, you have to be a teacher, you know, get married, but your fallback position is you could be a teacher. And so that's what I did. But through my own professional organizing business, I got to sneak in the interior design part because it's part of what I do with my clients is organizing and design. So I always say I don't have the formal credentials, but I've been doing this since middle school. And I think looking for talent early and saying, hey, with this skill set, like Tanisha said, you're great at math, you could do financial organizing or, you know, a lot of the young people that are so great at gaming and coding and everything. I mean, who knows what the future might even be for young organizers to develop apps or, you know, all sorts of digital things that can help people going forward. So, I mean, even just thinking about this through our conversation is exciting to think about the future of the industry and how diversity can play into that. Mackenzie, please. I was just going to say a good action item for that. Great thoughts, Cindy and Tanisha, on that, because that was one of the first things I thought about when I entered this industry. It was, I was like, I am so lucky to have this as a first career. Like, how can I save more millennials? Like, <laughs> I would say to all the moms out there, one easy in might be if you are a parent, especially if you have a high school student, contact your school guidance counselor and just let them know what you do for work and let them know that our industry exists. That simple act might alert them to do exactly what Tanisha was just outlining. Go, Oh, I have a kid like that. Like, how can I get that kid linked up just to know about the industry? And organizers are powerful and pretty outgoing people. Had I had that information as a high schooler, I would have hightailed it to Chicago, a big city from Indianapolis. Um, and now there are Indianapolis organizers I'm happy to find. I just found one in NABPO. I would have hightailed it straight to organizing and not gotten a degree in advertising, probably. No regrets and it all. Yeah. It all is very informative. But, you know, there's so much power there. So I would empower any if you have nieces and nephews in a high school, let those guidance counselors know. I'm sure that they'd be happy to have that information. Tanisha, you got my mind racing as well. I have my mind <laughs> we're racing. All, we're all ready to go out and like talk I to more people. Yeah, like I literally just wrote down on a post-it <laughs> note, like see who you know in the Los Angeles Unified <laughs> School District, you know, and I'm like, yes. I just jotted down like all of the high schools I know in the inner city. I'm like, oh, oh. My, my mind is racing. So two things, right? We've got four women on this call right now. We're all very different. That inequ goes beyond the color of our skin, where we're from, our ages, our educational background, right? And just think of all these amazing ideas that we're all thinking of. And we're all kind of like, whoa, I never even thought of that. Like, that's what that means for our industry. If we can just do that. And here's what I'm thinking. And this ends up shocking people. And I don't know why, but I am quite the introvert. When I went to my first NAPO meeting in New York and my first conference, and I am a white woman, I am smack dab pretty much, you know, I'm mid to late 30s. I was early 30s when I joined, but I look like everybody else. So you would think I would feel like, oh, these are my peeps. Like you said, this is my barbecue friend, like whatever. (laughs) No, I was by the wall being like, I don't have all these credentials. I don't know anybody. And so it took me a while. And so I can't even begin to think what is like for someone extrovert, introvert, it doesn't matter who doesn't look like the people at the NAPO meetings, at whatever meetings you're going to. So if you're listening and you're a leader at one of these places, 
if you want to get to those school counselors, if you want to get to those people who don't know what to do with their lives and they could be great organizers, we have to tap on the shoulders of those people who are being quiet at the meeting who just want to be tapped on, but they don't know how to speak up and they don't have that confidence to get up and just say, hey, I'm here and I have all these people to introduce you to. Like, I felt wanting to do that, but I wanted a leader to let me do that, right? Yeah. And that sounds kind of interesting to people who have no issue being the like networker, but from one introvert to everyone listening out there, if you are someone who has no problem getting up, speaking and leading a group, tap on the shoulder of someone who looks different than you. And you've noticed someone there, you don't know what their story is. And let's talk to each other and see who knows who and how we can get to those communities. That just really spoke to me, Tanisha. You're just like, you know, how do we find, well, you got to talk to people you've never talked to before. Mm -hmm. And some people are afraid to initiate this conversation. So I've got three more questions for you, ladies. The first one is going back to, again, Mackenzie's story of being at an appointment, working with the client all day, and then being called a different name at the end of the day, and then having her bosses speak up for her. Tanisha and Cindy, does that shock you that her bosses did that? And if it does shock you, why are bosses, why are business owners maybe nervous to be that outspoken ally? And how can we make a change when it comes to situations like that, when we're working with clients and we are perhaps experiencing injustice of some sort? Yeah, yeah. it absolutely shocked me, but it equally just made my heart just sore. It equally made my heart sore because that is not the norm. I remember early on after started working and I was assisting some more veteran organizers. And I had a situation at a client where we were working in her garage, her service porch, and her dog just kept yapping at me. Yap, 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 yap. Right. And the client basically said that the dog was yapping because of my hair. My hair is natural. It's in its natural curls and state. And it's normally in a puff on the top of my head. And she said, oh, I think he's scared of you because of your hair. And I was like, oh, really? You know, I kind (laughs) of joked it off because it wasn't my client. And then not only that right in there was an opportunity for someone to step in and divert the conversation, pivot the conversation. But then it even went worse. It went one step further. And she suggested that if she touched my hair, that that would calm her dog and let the dog know that I wasn't scary. And in that instant, I was like, darn, that's not what I said in my head. But, you know, I was just like, "Mm." and because it wasn't my client, because I was new, I was in this space of, okay, Tanisha, what are you going to do? What are you going to do? Are you going to let this lady touch your hair and be humiliated and demeaned to save face because this isn't your client? Are you going to say something? And unfortunately, I let the client touch my hair. And I can't remember if the person I was working for was in the garage. I believe that person was. But I do know for sure that I shared that experience with the person that I was working for and nothing was done. But it upset me later so deep in my soul that I didn't feel empowered enough to say, no, that's inappropriate. And no, it doesn't have anything to do with my hair. Your dog is just yapping at me because it's unhappy for some reason, whether my hair was in its natural curls on top of my head or if I had braids, or if my hair was straight going down my back. My hair is not scary. And so it upset me that I didn't feel empowered to do that. So yeah, that unfortunately is more of the norm because the conversations for white organizers is, well, what do I do when I am in my client's home and I hear something or a conversation turns left that I don't personally agree with, but I don't know what to do, what to say. Do I have the right to have these conversations with my client? Is that going to mess up my relationship with my client? And I encourage anyone who may be thinking that is think of it no different than if you were in the home of your client and you witnessed elder abuse or 
possibly sexual abuse or possibly child abuse or possibly something that was inappropriate that you wouldn't just let pass up. You would react somehow, whether or not you said something immediately, whether or not you came back later on and sent an email or whatever, like you wouldn't let it go. And so I would look at it as something similar to that and do something, say something, pivot something, because the only way we're going to address racism and anti-racism is to address it immediately. Because when we address it within a short period of time, or maybe not immediately, but within a short period of time, then it gives that person to get that mirror put in their face. And then you also know immediately, okay, is this how this person really feels? Because if they push back immediately, then you know, oh, okay. This is not just that you weren't aware. And this is not just your privilege that you didn't realize you had privilege just because that's all you know. Oh no, this is your belief. So if you address it immediately, then you know, okay, you understand. And so that's what I would encourage my peers and just anyone who's listening. If you overhear a conversation, if you're a part of a conversation and then it tends to go left and it makes you feel uncomfortable, move through that uncomfortableness and kind of figure out a way that you can address it. And it doesn't always have to be ah in your face, but we have to practice. We have to pray. And even people of color, we have to practice a way to push back when we're in those types of situations. And practice makes perfect. We all know in the industry, it's all about consistency. If you consistently push back, if you consistently hold people accountable, then it'll get easier and easier and easier. Yeah, Cindy first, please. Well, there's so many different things to unpack here and to think about. (laughs) Going back to the original question about was I surprised about the McKenzie situation, we're lucky to be in the same Chicago chapter. And so I know her boss, Shay. And so, no, that doesn't surprise me that Shay would speak up on McKenzie's behalf because that's just the kind of person she is. Jumping into Tanisha's situation, I feel like it's really difficult when you're the one who's the target or the victim of a situation to speak as eloquently at the moment as you would a day later when you're thinking about, oh, I could have said this, I could have said this, I could, you know, it's really difficult because you're in that moment. And as an ally there, if your boss is at a place where they aren't even understanding what microaggressions are and what racism looks like when it plays out, If you're white and unaware, you're not taking anti-racism seriously, you're not on your own journey, you don't even notice that that's happening and that you're in pain, you know, that Tanisha needed an ally there. So there's a lot of different components happening in that situation, but we all have choices and we all are responsible to use our power in ways that make sense for the moment, for the sort of inequality playing out, and also concern for our own personal safety, because that gets into our physical abilities, our age. So someone who is 75 witnessing an altercation may not be the one to physically jump in and pull a police officer off of someone who is getting murdered like George Floyd was. But there are other ways that you can intervene. And if you're young and able-bodied and you can physically go in and make a difference, then that's the choice you're making. But I also think that sometimes if you're frozen in the moment and you didn't do anything, you can go back and try to rectify the situation. And your boss could have come back to you, Tanisha, and say, you know what? I'm sorry I wasn't there for you in that moment. I didn't realize that I had a role to play. And so now I will send a note to this client. I will call them, you know, whatever. And I don't think it's too late to remedy a situation that we've not been able to take a stand on in the immediate moment. Because sometimes Again, as white people, we're not socialized to see these kinds of things. And when you start opening your eyes and you're seeing them, you realize, oh, there is something I could have done and should have done. So I think we're all learning. We all are making choices. But I think as an industry and as people who want the best for other people, it is important to put yourself in someone else's shoes and to say, well, what could I have done? What should I have done? And it's really the same as women. We like men to step in and be our allies. 
when people are demeaning and saying things about us or whether it's a religious stereotype or whatever. We always want someone outside of our group to come in and be our ally. And I think it's just having your antenna up and kind of being aware of when you can use your voice for good. Mackenzie, what are your thoughts on all this? I just, they both put it so well. I just wanted to snowball on what you guys were saying. Tanisha said a little bit about how she didn't feel empowered in that moment to say anything. And similarly, in my moment, I probably wouldn't have had as strong of a response as I needed to have. And I did have that ally there to say something for me while I was choked up. Mm -hmm. (laughs) Um, And that experience empowered me to now that when things like that happen while I'm out in the world, wherever I am, to say something and say something immediately and stand up for myself and not brush it off. So we can empower each other with that practice. Even if you say something and somebody else doesn't have it in that moment, you're still empowering that other person the next time for them to have that model and see how to respond. So we can all take it to the next level (laughs) and we can all be more aware of the things that we see. So I just wanted to speak to that a little bit because there is so much more power even in who you are speaking to, to the people that hear you as well. So well said, ladies. And I'm thinking as a business owner, you know, I'm all about my handbook and my policies and practices. And is my section on how we handle situations like that outlined enough? Am I practicing with my team? Am I telling them how I will respond? And are we doing that as business leaders? Like you said, it's practice and you're like, gosh, I have to practice that. Yes, because that's the world we're in. And so if we do that though, if we do that work that unfortunately should be not necessary, but is, that's real change within your own business too. Ladies, I've got two more questions. One of them is, I do want to ask you for your sticky notes, but that'll be my last one. This next one is just, is there anything we haven't covered today? I know it's a giant, giant topic, but is there anything else I haven't asked you or we haven't maybe dug into a little bit deeper that we should before we go on to that last question? Cindy. I just want to jump in and say that having this conversation and our pre- podcast, phone call. We're just exciting conversations to be a part of. And I think it illustrates that when you bring a diverse team together, your juices start flowing and you get Mm -hmm. ideas you hadn't thought of and you start piggybacking and jumping in and getting more excited. And I think even just kind of analyzing the energy of this podcast, we started out a little bit more you know, introspective, professional, and then sort of you could just hear the excitement build and we wanted to each say something. And I think this is illustrating what we want to happen. In corporate America, there's research studies that show the more diverse your team, the better off you are because you're not missing out on voices. You're not just hearing the same answers all the time. You're getting diverse perspectives. And so I think going back to the original premise as an industry, as professionals, as business people, being in diverse conversations, even if you do work by yourself, will really enrich you in multiple ways. Yeah, I think the one thing that we can touch on at another time, but just the conversation that we can have as a whole is, you know, just making sure that in our quest for diversity and our quest for knowledge, that we don't try and use that quest for knowledge and diversity as a marketing tool. Mm -hmm. The movement doesn't need performative allyship. We Mm. don't need that. What does that mean? Can you give us an example? Yeah. Well, for people who may not know, after George Floyd's murder, after the murder of Breonna Taylor, there was a movement online about muting and sharing the mic and different things like that to give more voices to Black, Indigenous, people of color for the day online. And some people did it, some people did not, but some people did it, and then that was all. Some companies did it, said some statements, but since then, it's gone back to just normalcy. Mm. So if you're going to do something and do the work to be more educated about equity, inclusion, diversity, if you're going to put the black square up on your social media, if you're going to say certain things, it can't just be to see that I hear it and I'm doing it. Like you still need to do something. That day has been 
probably four, five weeks ago. Have you done anything since that time? Have you reposted or shared a link to the attorney general of a particular state that there's still protests? Have you share something on your social media about something that needs a little bit more exposure. What have you done since that day? If you haven't done anything since that day, then that is performative, that you're not really on that road to becoming a true ally. We don't need it just for face. We don't need an avatar allyship. The movement needs the person behind the avatar. The movement needs action. The movement means all of the things and even more that we haven't even thought about that we've talked about on this podcast. That's what the movement needs. Mackenzie, anything we haven't touched on? I know I was good, right? <laughs> Excellent. I have I have so much respect and things to learn just on an age basis. There's been several times in this podcast where I'm like, ah, oh, what is that thing I am trying to convey? And you ladies <laughs> conveyed it beautifully. Again, that is the power of community. We're helping each other get to the conversations that need to be had and share the things that need to be shared. Okay, so I need to ask all three of you, I want my listeners to have two sticky notes. And you guys are good at sharing things, but I need this to be concise. I think we've got this little tiny sticky note, we need to write a few words, our listeners need to write a few words and then pop it on their office wall, their bathroom mirror. What are two things you would advise our listeners to do this week that can make a change in their lives to be just better at inclusion and better allies and just better humans in this industry? Mackenzie, can we start with you? I would say, think about the areas of improvement in your business and just the holes in your business and think about how you can involve a person of color in those holes. And if you have a team, ask yourself, what is day-to-day life like for your team members, like those specific people? And if you don't know the answers, then start some open conversations and ask them, how are they? And ask them how things work for them. Ooh, I love that. Tanisha? I think one thing is the next time you have a conversation with a close friend or a family member, ask a tough question about diversity, inclusion, and equity and see what they say. Have that conversation with somebody. Yep. Just do it. Oof. I can already hear the tension on the other line of this podcast. Mm -hmm. These listeners like, Ooh, do you know what that means for me, Tanisha? And you're like, yes, I do. Time to start doing it. Yep. Cindy. I would say my two are listen more than you talk. If you're lucky enough to be in the presence of someone, Black, person of color, different than you in whatever way, listen more than you talk. And the second one would be do an internal self-audit every day. So kind of check yourself. And also don't fear the uncomfortableness that you need to be in for growth. So I call that your growing edge. If somebody says something that makes you very uncomfortable, that's an opportunity to internally look at that. So the internal self-audit and listen more than you talk. Mackenzie, if our listeners feel that you kind of spoke to them in some sort of way, they want to get to know you more, how can our listeners get in touch with you? You can find Mission 2 with the number 2 organized. I'm holding up two fingers like you can see them. <laughs> with the number 2 organized on Instagram, on Facebook, you can shoot me an email directly at info at mission organize.com And I will find you in all of those spaces. And you can see my face on YouTube most of the time on the Mission to Organize channel. If you want some tips and want to see what the inside of my house looks like, <laughs> you can see all of that on our YouTube channel and our social media platforms. Amazing. Thank you. Tanisha, how about you? How can our listeners get a hold of you? Well, I am on most social media channels or platforms on Instagram and on Facebook, Natural Born Organizers, on Twitter, Natural Born Org, YouTube, Natural Born Organizers, and you can even text me. You can find me online and my text number is there. You can text me and I'll be there. Right. Cindy, how about you? How can our listeners get a hold of you? Okay. My website is pxporganizing.com. So short for piece by piece, pxporganizing.com. I have some social media, not as much as the others, but you can find me through my website. My information is on there. And I think probably some links to some of my social media, but yeah, just reach out to any of us and continue the conversation. All right. And listeners, if you're driving your car right now, you're on the treadmill, don't worry. In our show notes, we will have all of their information where you can click and get a hold of them. And 
if you're not sure what that conversation is, if you feel like I was, I had the black square and I don't know what to do, like, okay, all right, at least you've recognized that. And so any three of these ladies, including myself, can help you or we can come up with ways to move forward. And I usually have this outro where I ask you, what can you do today, this week to make a change in your business for the better? And This week is a lot different because you're not only going to be making a difference in your business, but you'll be making a difference in your life and those who interact with you, whether you know them or they're just a passerby at a grocery store. If you notice a situation like Mackenzie or Tanisha was in, think in your head right now, what would you do? What should you do? And if you don't have a clear answer, all right, ask someone, right? Start getting really uncomfortable. If you really believe in the mission of a productivity professional and organizer, we're here to help people and that goes down to the core of who they are, their soul, their heart. This conversation is very important to me and I hope it was to you as well. I'm Sarah Karakan. That wraps up this episode of Stand Out. Thanks for being here with me, for again, learning with me. You do not have to have all the answers when it comes to this conversation, but you do have to get uncomfortable and make changes every day. If you like this podcast, if you're able to walk away with a nugget of inspiration or something valuable, please leave us a review, hit that subscribe button because we want to reach as many organizing and productivity professionals as possible. So in addition to subscribing and leaving us that review, please feel free to share this in every episode with your colleagues, your team, your high school students, your college students, community, whomever. We really appreciate you listening and you'll hear from us in a couple weeks. That's all for today's episode of Stand Out brought to you by NAPO the National Association of Productivity and Organizing Professionals. Be sure to visit napo.net to join, learn more about our educational offerings, local chapters, and more.